The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. There are a few scriptures in the Bible that I consider to be litmus tests for determining whether someone has the proper view of the gospel and of eternal versus time salvation. The passage we're going to look at today is one of those scriptures. In today's sermon, we're going to look at the parable of the sower and the seed as found in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to see that, unlike what most of the world believes, All categories of hearers, from the wayside to the stony ground to the thorny ground to the good ground, are children of God who have already been born again and who can hear and receive the gospel. The difference in each of these categories is their circumstances and what they do with the gospel message. Join us today and tomorrow as we look at this parable and learn some important principles about how the gospel is received by children of God in the world. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
if you have your Bibles tonight, if you would turn over to the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, and I'd like to look at this first parable here that uh, the Lord has given us. The 13th chapter of the book of Matthew is what we call the kingdom parable chapter. It's the chapter filled with parables of the kingdom of God. And I'd love to, uh, some time back, I can't remember, it's been several years ago uh, now, uh, we, we took the opportunity and went through each of these parables and, um, and saw how they applied, not in, a, in an eternal sense, but in a timely sense to us here and now. Now, I, want to, I mentioned this some, maybe a week or two ago. There are some verses in the scripture that are what I call litmus test verses to determine whether uh, a preacher or someone uh, who believes otherwise may be in the doctrines of grace, but whether they understand and get the difference between uh, where some of our Calvinist brothers have gone and where the Bible is. Because, you know, one of the things about primitive Baptists is we don't fit very well in any category. <laughs> we, I know that if, if somebody asked, uh, asked you or said something about where you go to church out in the world, they, and you said, well, I'm a primitive Baptist, generally speaking, they would put us in the Calvinist category versus the Arminian category. And, you know, Arminianism is just named after a man named James Arminius who wrote uh, uh, in opposition to Calvin. Actually, I think Calvin wrote in opposition to him, but whatever, however it worked out there, uh, he was promoting the idea that it's up to your man's free will to get himself to heaven. And of course, John Calvin opposed that. And, um, and so in general conversations like that, I don't really get all fired up or try to argue with people when they call me a Calvinist. But if you want to get, if I have more time and have more time to be able to discuss deeper things of the doctrines, I want to, I'll try to make it clear that I am not a Calvinist. Number one, John Calvin didn't come up with these doctrines. He, these are doctrines that are from the Word of God, you see. And number two, there's some things about Calvinism, and there's a whole spectrum of Calvinism. You, I, I don't have time to go into it tonight. You can, you know, some, some who declare themselves Calvinists are pretty close to us. Some are very far from us. But the thing about it is, is that primitive Baptists don't fit very well in any category. We're certainly not Armenians, and we're not Calvinists either. And this is one of those scriptures that will divide... Uh, uh, divide between the men and the boys, so to speak. It will separate those who have the correct understanding both of eternal salvation and of the purpose of the gospel and of the kingdom of God and those who don't. So let's begin reading and we'll try to uh, not take too awful long tonight, but we'll try to take the time that's necessary to understand this. It says in verse 3, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, a parable literally means the setting of one thing over against another. That is a comparison. And a parable 
we need to understand this from the scripture. A parable is a made-up story, okay? And it's a made-up story that only means what the giver of the parable intends for it to mean. That's very important. And I know I'm guilty of this. I'm sure I've done it in the past. I try to not do that anymore, brother buddy. But, uh, but I'm guilty of saying, well, this can mean that and this can mean this. And I'll take this and take it a little deeper. I know the, Jesus said this, but it can also mean that. Well, when we do that, we're saying we know more than Jesus. <laughs> And, and the beauty of this parable, by the way, is that we don't have to wonder what it meant. Jesus is going to tell us what it means. And here's something else that often in the world is misunderstood. Often in the world, even among those who believe in the sovereign grace of God, often in the world, they'll preach it this way. That the wayside and the stony ground and the thorny ground represent those who are not children of God. They're not the elect children of God. And that the only category in this parable that is talking about those who are the elect children of God is just the good ground. And let me just say to you about that. If that is true, that is a very discouraging interpretation to me. Because I can tell you, beloved, I have seen myself on the same day being in all four of those categories. We're going to talk about those categories and hopefully we'll have time tonight to see what, what it says about them because the truth is that Jesus says nothing about using this parable to determine who is or is not a child of God. And if we do take this parable and try to say, okay, this one's a child of God, that one's not a child of God, we've gone beyond what Jesus said. Jesus said nothing about who is or is not a child of God. And in fact, if you think about it, these are parables about the kingdom of God. And that's not some future kingdom. That's here and now. That's here. And you see what he's telling them about. Remember what's happened here. He has, sent his, he has just sent his disciples out two by two to preach, and they've had this wonderful experience. They've had this glorious experience of, of seeing demons even be subject to them and casting them out and, and people being converted to the truth of, of the gospel and people coming to just embrace it. And they came back rejoicing. <laughs> you read about that over in the book of Luke, and he, you know, their experience in the kingdom was glorious. And then you also have had, just had the, uh, John the Baptist send his, who's in prison, send some of his disciples to say, are you really him? Are you really the one? You know, you got the apostles who are glorying and all their success and, and you got John the Baptist in prison. And, and what Jesus is doing here through this whole chapter, I believe, is laying out for them the various experiences we're going to have in the kingdom of God. Because I can tell you, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed seasons of great reaping. It's been glorious. It's wonderful. We had a baptism today. That's a wonderful day <laughs> to get to baptize somebody, to get to baptize two people. You know, I, one time I think seven people. I baptized seven people in one day. Brother Buddy out in Las Vegas, baptized, I can't remember, 10 or 12 people out there. Those are glorious things. Brother Martin Agnani tells about baptizing 80 in one day over in Africa. 
But you know, I've also gone through seasons where nobody joined and nobody listened. And even sometimes seasons where those who ought to be listening have quit listening and have gone out into other pursuits. And so Jesus here is beginning to tell them the kingdom of God is not going to be just one particular way. There's going to be various experiences you're going to have, and sometimes it's going to be like this, and sometimes it's going to be like that. And I believe here in this parable, more than any other parable, he's given us, especially us preachers, but everybody, the, uh, a pattern, if you will, for us to be able to examine those who hear the preached word and to kind of maybe figure out which kind of ground they are and what they need in order to grow. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. The first thing we see here is he says, when he sowed, a sower went out to sow, and when he sowed, some, fell by the, some seeds fell by the wayside. The wayside. So the first category of those who hear the gospel are the wayside hearers. I call them the wayside Christians sometimes. Now, again, if you want to know what this means, we have to skip down to verse 18. We don't have to wonder. He tells us. So in verse 18 of this same chapter, Jesus says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When, so he starts to talk about the wayside first. Verse 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Now, the first thing that we can say with absolute certainty from this, chat, from this explanation is that these wayside Christians are children of God. You know why we can say that? Because only a child of God can have the word of God sown in his heart. It says that which was sown in his heart. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't stumble over his words. He didn't say that by mistake. He, he said that so we would know these are not those reprobate, non-elect out there. These are elect children of God who have actually already been born again. Because remember, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. I think the Word of God is a thing of the Spirit of God more than anything else, isn't it? These words here that was given, the Word of God, the Gospel message is a thing of the Spirit of God. And that thing of the Spirit of God, the Gospel, the Word of God, was sown in this person's heart. And the Word of God can never be sown in the heart of a reprobate. And not even an unregenerate child of God. One who still hasn't been born again. So, so the first thing we see is this person who hears the word on the wayside is a regenerated child of God. But what are the circumstances here? What is, what is it that's different about each of these categories? Well, notice that it's sown by the wayside, okay? By the wayside, the wayside just means um, it's the pathway. It's like, it's like we would say a highway today. Might be a dirt road. It would have been back then. What's the characteristic of a, of a road or a path that's different from maybe the, the ground around it? It's a lot more packed down. It's a lot harder, isn't it? It's a lot harder. You ever tried to, 
You know, if you take your, you take your post hole diggers sometimes and you want to dig a post hole, you don't want to get out there in the middle of the dirt road and start digging, do you? <laughs> That's kind of tough to do. It's got packed down gravel. It's tight. You want to get over in the good soil over here where it's a little softer, where it's a little wet maybe, beside it over here. But the wayside is a place that is packed down. And, and <laughs> I believe this is a reference to Christians who are carnally minded whose hearts and minds are set upon the things of this world, most likely the wayside Christians are those that are actively engaged in sinful activities. They're not just over here neutral. They're not really even searching. They've, you know, you say, well, what about, are there any examples of that in the scripture? I think we read of a couple. We could go to Lot for one, but, but I don't want to go there today. I want to go to the prodigal son. The prodigal son. It's probably the best example I know of, of a Christian who's on the wayside. What, what happened in the case of the prodigal son? I, I, we won't turn there and read it. You can turn there sometime over the book of Luke. I believe it's the 18th chapter. The prodigal son was living well in his father's house. He was dwelling in the right smack in the dab of his father's will in the kingdom of, in the kingdom of his father. And he left that to go pursue the carnal things of this world. He went out to engage in riotous living. Now, that story of the prodigal son is not a story about some reprobate or unregenerate going down into the far country and getting born again. This is one who's already, if to use it to, to make the analogy to our lives, he's one that is already living, uh, already born again, already regenerated because he's enjoying the things of the kingdom. He's enjoying his father's house. You see, he was always a son. And not only just a son, he was a alive son he was he was living and dwelling in his father's house he knew about the good things that his father had he just got distracted by the far country and he saw the things that the world had to offer out there and they were more exciting they were more uh, uh, engaging the lights camera action of the world attracted his fancy and he left his father's house and went out into the world you might think in terms today of someone who's been faithful to the church, who's been in the kingdom of God, grown up in the kingdom of God, knew, knows where they ought to be, heard the word of God, has been a member of the church and already regenerated from, for a long time and gets distracted by the things of the world and leaves and goes, back, goes out there. You see, that's the one on the wayside. And he wasn't just out there neutral saying, I'm going to sit home and watch a little football on Sunday and instead of going to church and I'm going to just kind of be passive out here. He was one who not, didn't just get out there neutrally. He got out there actively pursuing the riotous living of the world. And he ended up down there on the wayside. Now, so notice what he says. Jesus is explaining it there. He said, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not... Now, there, there are many reasons why a child of God who's born again might not understand the Word of God. You and I have been there. I'm, I'm certain that everyone in this room can say they've been at a point where they were so engaged by the world that they didn't even really understand what they were hearing or reading, say, from the Word of God. 
You know, have you ever sat down to read the Word of God and said, I just didn't get much out of that? Well, I can tell you the times when my mind has been the most obscured to the Word of God is when my mind has been focused on the things of the world. Okay? So, there's several reasons, and let's just talk about a few of them. You know, maybe, maybe that wayside Christian is actively feeding the carnal nature. Okay? There's a difference between being carnally minded and spiritually minded. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, he says over there, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let's notice what he says here as we keep reading. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Beloved, that's talking to children of God. That's talking to me and you. If we're in the flesh, we cannot please God. But notice verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And he goes on to say, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You know, you have two natures inside of you, and you can feed either one. I've heard it said that true freedom of the will is restored at the new birth. You think about that for a minute. Up to that point, if we're just the carnal man, if we don't have anything but the fleshly nature, we got free will to act according to our nature, but we don't have the free will to choose to please God. But once we're born again, we have the freedom of will to please God or not to please Him. We can, we can live according to the flesh or we can live according to the Spirit. We have freedom of will as born-again children of God. So we still have that carnal nature, but we also have a spiritual nature, and these on the wayside are actively feeding the carnal nature. They, that may be the problem. They may be in the wrong place. <laughs> they may be in the wrong place. You know, the pathways of this world, the waysides of this world, are not the place for a child of God to be. We need to be in the place where God wants us to be, which is, number one, in His will. But number two, part of being in His will is to be in His church. It's to be in His kingdom. You know, I read about a, a man who struggled with that over in the 20th chapter of John. It's a man named Thomas. In John chapter 20 and verse 19, after Jesus rose again, we're told that... Uh, on the first day of the week, it says, When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And then we're told they showed, he showed the, uh, them their, his hands and his side. And, and notice in the end of verse 20, it says, Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. <laughs> and notice what Jesus said to them. And then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And he goes on to tell them some things that they're supposed to do. And, and can you imagine the feeling of peace that they had to see their Lord resurrected from the dead and to be in his presence again? Everyone that was there, we're told, were glad. They were glad when they saw the Lord. But notice verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, I love the, way, I love the way the writers are inspired to write. He's not letting us forget. 
hey, this could happen to you. <laughs> he was one of them. Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. You know the rest of that story. I, well, look at verse 25 while we're there. He said, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. They've gone to him and said, hey, you should have been here, man. We saw him. Let me tell you all about it. Well, beloved, I want to say to you, you cannot tell somebody else about the presence of the Lord. You, you can talk to them about it, but they will not get it if they weren't there. That's kind of like we said before, when we have one of these great meetings, these uh, annual meetings, and, and somebody misses the annual meeting, but the Spirit of the Lord is there, and it's overflowing, and you try to tell them about it, and you can't. Thomas just missed out. He was in the wrong place. And notice his attitude because he was at the wrong place. He heard the words, but he understood them not. Listen to this. But he said unto them, I accept, I shall see the hand print of See in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into the side. I will not believe. <laughs> Thomas was on the wayside. He wasn't where he needed to be. Now, you know, the rest of that story is Jesus appears to him again later. <laughs> this time it didn't take a whole lot. He, he saw it for himself. See, those on the wayside might be feeding the carnal nature instead of the spiritual nature. They might be in the wrong place. They might just be letting the noise of the world drown out the message of God. You know, over in Luke chapter 8, I believe it is where this, is, um, uh, where this parable is also taught by the Lord. He talks about it being trodden down, trodden down. If you're in the crowd of the world, if you're in the place where the world's anger and the world's... Uh, the world's excitement, the world's temptations are all around you. You're going to barely hear. You know, sometimes the Lord speaks in a still, small voice. And if you're listening for the earthquake and you're looking for the, for the, the, the whirlwind and that's what's exciting you, you're going to miss the sound of the Lord, you see. All that's going to be trodden down. So what's the remedy? What's the remedy? See, he's teaching us here as as those he's not he's presuming we're not these people but that we're ministering to these people so so what's the answer what do we tell those who are on the wayside well you know i, I suppose you could sit down with you could have sat down with a prodigal son and said son let me ask you something uh, what's your theory about supralapsarianism or infralapsarianism can we have a deep theological discussion about the eternal sonship of Christ. Can we, you know, can even, maybe even the basic doctrine sometimes get lost in the wayside. Maybe, you know, someone who's on the wayside, it's hard to have a deep theological discussion with them. What do you have? So what do you do with them? The answer is stop. That's the message you give to them. Hey, you're on the wrong path and you need to turn around and get off this path. You're in the wayside, and you need to get out of the wayside, and you need to get over into the good ground. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, 
C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.